All right, everybody, welcome to B.O. Boys for Thursday, July 6th. Fuck it, it's a raw feed. We're doing it live. We're doing it early. I'm Clayton. Well, we're not doing it early for me. Right now, I'm at a nice leisurely mid-morning time, 11 a.m. here in beautiful Paris, France. I'm relaxed. I had a run. I'm feeling good. Had a full night's sleep. How are you doing, Clayton? What time is it? At, what time is it in the States right now? Well, in America, where it matters... It's 5.20 a.m. Okay. Great. Well, I you mean, I, I, you're there in France in the week of our country's birth. Yes. And uh, it's great that you're well-rested. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. here in America, we working men are just trying to get some sleep. Yeah. I think this is good for you. I think you've always been someone who should have been starting work in the in the middle of the night when it's dark out and i think this is this is you getting to where you should be which is not a lot of sleep bad night's sleep starting work really early um so i think also congratulations i i know that you you people had a holiday this week in the states i hope that went well i hope you ate your american foods and your you know your meat byproducts and all that so i hope that was fun for you over in the United States. So, Pat, I think all you're really doing is ingratiating me more to our audience than anything. If I, It feels like you're trying to denigrate uh, me and this great country, and really all you're doing is turning people against you. I don't think because so. Because what I did for 4th of July was I ate a pound of dirt, great mm-hmm. American dirt. I shotgunned a beer, and then I bought a Sound of Freedom ticket to pay it forward, like all real Americans. Well, I mean, I think we got to get into it. Also, I don't think any of the audience is offended by what I'm saying. The wannabe old boys, wannabe old girls, wannabe old people, people. Are, are, ve- are very aspirational. So I think this gives them motivation. This gives them something to shoot for, knowing that you oh, don't someday only they'll have get to, to go over to. They'll get over to France and burn down libraries like you're doing. Listen, I'm over here. I don't know what's going on, what you're talking about with library burnings. I All I know is I went to Le Cinema last night. I went to – I'm going to give a shout-out right now to a fine cinema in Paris, the Christine Cinema Club. Um, it was a great experience. My wife and I saw Thelma et Louise. It was shown in English with French subtitles, which I think is how all movies should be shown – no matter what language they're in and no matter what country they're shown in, show it so that we hear English and we see French subtitles, and that's a great experience. So Thelma at Louise, loved seeing it on the big screen. Brad Pitt, when he had his shirt off in this movie, wee, 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 the crowd went bonkers. And so shout out to Christine Cinema Club. If any of our listeners can reach a point where they get to see a movie in Paris, Check out the Christine Cinema Club. Tell them that B.O. Boy Pat sent you. So there's our free plug. There goes all of our Mina fans and our stoolies. Thanks, Pat. Just alienated them. You should be be on a river in a raft drinking a high noon is what you should be doing in the great 
country of America instead of sitting in a theater with a bunch of frogs watching a movie that's been out for what 30 years and it's still playing strong and you know what I maybe doesn't I doesn't matter what they think about I, the movie maybe I will take a, a float down the Seine which is a beautiful river here in Paris that is only a few cobblestone blocks away from my apart from uh, where I'm staying my pied-a-terre so maybe I'll I'll ride down the Seine later but let's get into this American film that uh, opened yeah, on your Yeah cuz people are holiday. disgusted at this point I think everybody switched over everybody switched over so, I mean, any chance of us winning they're, this ratings book not, is out the, the fucking window. No, they're not switching on the dial. They're they're tuning in. You know, it's like the old adage that they, you know, when when they're angry about what I'm saying, they only listen longer. So I think this is playing great. But let's get again into you had an American holiday. And usually on this episode, our weekend preview, we're only looking ahead. But this weekend, this episode... We've got results we have to go over. We basically had a second mini weekend with new results and a new film that opened up. So, Clayton, you're you're the American who's eating dirt. Tell us what happened on Tuesday on the American Fourth of July holiday and this battle at the box well, office. Who who won this battle at the box office? Well, so Sound of Freedom, we talked about it previously. You know, they're doing a grassroots campaign where, you know, you can track the pre-sales for this film, Mm -hmm. which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. And I've been tracking them all weekend. And so there was a battle between Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny and Sound of Freedom that Deadline had called that Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny had barely – beat Sound of Freedom on 4th of July. Now, just to give you an idea of this, Dial Destiny is at 4,600 theaters. Sound of Freedom is at 2,634 theaters. But the numbers tells a different story. The numbers says that Sound of Freedom had $14.2 million and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny had 11.6. So that means that the numbers is calling Sound of Freedom as the winner for the 4th of July holiday. Now, I don't wow. – I mean, we could, if we wanted to, go to the website and mm. actually figure this out ourselves. Right. We could – well, so here's what I think is happening here. First of all, we got to give a shout-out to – wannabe old boy Adam from the Stacks, who we talked about this mm-hmm. last week. Deadline and all these trade rags, they're only discussing Sound of Freedom now. They got caught with their pants down, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Deadline got caught with his pants down. Anthony D. D is for doesn't understand that Sound of Freedom was coming. He got caught with his pants down. We talked about this two episodes ago, thanks to a tip from Adam from the Stacks. Mm -hmm. And I think part of what's happening here is this movie is was scheduled to only open on Tuesday, July fourth. That's when it was supposed to open, Mm -hmm. and we had some some not misinformation, but we were gathering information a couple episodes ago and didn't know whether it was going to open over the weekend. But it was only supposed to open on Tuesday. But reports are coming in that there were less cinemas in the United States that were showing Sound of Freedom on the Monday, July 3rd. And here's here's what I think 
is possibly happening is that the numbers is rolling all of the Monday screenings also into the Tuesday number, whereas Deadline, which, of course, because Anthony D is for Disney, D'Alessandro, does not want Sound of Freedom to go down as the winner for 4th of July box office. He is separating that so that the number for Sound of Freedom is just the Tuesday sales and is therefore like $100,000 lower than Indiana Jones. That is my thought on what is probably happening, why the numbers has Sound of Freedom at 14 and Deadline has it lower. So, I mean, do you think that is possibly what's going on? I love on how here? it's so convenient. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's so convenient how when they want to prop up a movie, they can add in all these different previews, but for Sound of Freedom, they can't do it, right? Right. I mean, uh, the uh, listen, Transformers opened to 60, and that was because they were counting Tuesdays, they were counting everything, and it's like, you can do that, and that's fine. I mean, but if Sound of Freedom wants to do that, which I think they have the right to. I mean, here's the thing with Sound of Freedom. I think they should just do a full uh, – they should just do a full six-day or whatever it will be from the Tuesday to the Sunday, mm-hmm. right? And just roll with that and just possibly win the whole box office. Because if these other movies can say, well, these were previews, they could just be like, well, July 4th was a preview day, and so was the Monday, and so was this day. Why not yeah. play that game? Why not play that game yes. and unseat Dal of Destiny and and upset Insidious? Yes, yes. Because when we get to the weekend preview numbers, the six-day for Sound of Freedom very possibly could be bigger than the five-day of any other movie or the three-day of any other movie this weekend. Very easily. I mean, here's the thing. It is embarrassing if you are Disney and you're Indiana Jones that this is even a competition at all. This is a Mm -hmm. $300 million IP starring Harrison Ford, the, the fifth movie of one of the most popular movie franchise of all time. The fact that that Anthony D.D. is for Disney D'Alessandro has to D for deceive audiences and try and do his funny mm-hmm. math to even make it close. You know, Indiana Jones beating Sound of Freedom. This is a movie starring Jim Caviezel, who who honestly has been out of the public consciousness aside from this specific type of movie, these religious movies. He's been out of public awareness for decades now. And the fact that mm-hmm. Indiana Jones, even with all of Deadline's mathematical trickery, is only 100000 ahead is embarrassing for, for Indiana Jones, for Disney. It's, it should not have been this close. Indiana Jones no. should be making, you know, $30 million on a 4th of July Tuesday if, if mm-hmm. it was playing the way it was supposed to play. It's embarrassing for them that it is this close. And and Anthony is comping this Fourth of July opening to Superman Returns. Yes, that which is-, is a famous disaster. Which is a disaster. So I forgot that that was a continuation of the Donner movies. Yeah, did you it, remember it, that that he was supposed I, to be the same character as Christopher Reeves? 
I I'll be honest. I may have never seen that movie. As Superman is, we've established not our thing, and we're we don't have high hopes for the James Gunn Superman that's no. coming out in you know five to fifteen years. But the fact that Anthony D uh, is for I don't know. I I can't come up with what he's doing here, which is going back. D is for decades because he's going back decades to find a comp that is favorable to the opening of this Indiana Jones movie. I mean, you might well, as well then that. find a comp from 50 years ago and say, look, Indiana Jones is opening better on the same weekend and 4th of July as On the Waterfront did in mm-hmm. you know 1950 and just make that comp because you have to go so far back to find something that Indiana Jones doesn't look bad against. So let's just let's move on to this weekend because uh, you know the this is really interesting and we're going to be talking about sound of freedom uh you know in what we think the three days going to be but indiana jones is a disaster it's a disaster i want to ask you i mean sound of freedom you know we touched on it Mm when when uh wanna be oh boy adam from the stacks brought it to our attention a few episodes ago and this whole pay it forward ticket scheme that Angel yeah. Studios is doing this movie where you could buy and we tickets. say scheme with love. We say scheme with love. Of course. Schemes, listen, it's it's box office. You got to have a scheme. We, we always are in favor of schemes. And this is a scheme mm-hmm. where they are incentivizing their audience to buy tickets for other audience members who possibly can't afford a ticket. Yeah. And they're gamifying the whole idea of selling tickets because they've come up with this thing. There's 2 million kids who've been kidnapped. And so we want to sell 2 million tickets. And, you know, we're not going to get into specifics of this topic at all, but just the idea that, Hey, we want to sell 2 million tickets because 2 million is a cool number in the, you know, the subject of what we're talking about in this movie. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's paying off. Like, what do you think of this whole strategy of, A, getting people to buy tickets for other people who can't afford tickets and gamifying the the idea of tickets sold, making audiences be be invested in the total number of tickets that, that are sold? Now, I guess this was, uh, was piloted with their last release – which I can't think of what it was called right now, but they did they did pilot this idea, so they knew they were probably going to launch it with this one. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a brilliant idea. I mean, that's the thing is these independent movies, I mean, we had Terrifier 2 earlier last year that just did Baffa Bobo, right? And that was mm-hmm. a groundswell mm-hmm. of grassroots people vomiting. I mean, we, listen... We were part of it. We we photographed the vomit. It was real. Right. People were passing yeah, out. People vomit. were vomiting. And everybody was saying it was fake. And we actually got it on camera. Right? Mm-hmm. So the thing with that is that what if Terrifier would have had the same sort of structure where it was like two million terrorized kids every year? You know what I mean? Like there's, there's two million kids – that are scared out of their wits by clowns every year. Let's right. buy tickets for every single one of them, right? Right. And buy a ticket for a gorehound, for 
you know, f- f- for one of those people who can't afford right now. They yes. just, you know, they just, uh, you know, bought a big life-size bust of Leatherface, and now they can't afford to go see a movie, so pay it forward. Because at some point, someone is going to buy a big Jason bust and can't afford a ticket to a movie, and it's karma. It's horror It's horror movie yes. karma. You know, And I think that sort of thing, if they would have done that there, that is something that could, going forward, work for a bunch of movies, not just faith-based movies. Because... It's fun to watch that ticker. I yes. was watching that ticker all weekend. I was like, yes. are they going to reach their next goal? Or are they going to reach the next? And I know, listen, it's kind of like the, you know, watching an Indiegogo, right? But it's different because it's box office. Because for right. us, you can actually see the tickets being bought. That is something that no other studio has ever done right shown us the tickets right because they don't want to do it and the reason why is because if you showed how many people were buying indie five tickets no one would buy indie five tickets because they'd say oh my god that's really low this movie's gonna stink i'm not gonna go right 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 and, and you know i i i do i love that idea of you just spending the american holiday eating dirt watching angel studios uh ticket counter at the bottom of their website and it's it also harkens back to a more innocent time of the internet that i think people long for now which is remember you go to a website and you'd see mm-hmm. the view or the visitor counter at the bottom of every website you know so you'd go to the website for the Peter Pan guy who used to dress like Peter Pan and you go to his website and show your friends. And at the bottom, you would see the visitor counter go up for the Peter Pan guy website. And Angel Studios, by having a ticket counter at the bottom of their website for Sound of Freedom, is bringing that back. And people love to see that. You know, is this something that I I know what you're saying, that with Indiana Jones, the ticket sales may have been too embarrassing to see, but if they had come up with, if Disney mm-hmm. had come up with some kind of in, uh, uh, incentive, or not an incentive, but saying, you know, we need to sell 10 million tickets on Tuesday, and each ticket represents, you know, a drop of Metamucil that Harrison Ford has used, you know, or or each ticket represents a wrinkle on the foot of Harrison Ford. And so we wanted 10 million wrinkles, 10 million tickets. Just something to just connect the audiences to the film, the way Sound of Fury did. Because, again, they know that the whole kids thing is a big deal with Sound of Fury. So there are like 2 million kids, 2 million tickets, and people cared about that. And, Sound and they, of Freedom. Sound of Fury. What are you talking uh, about? Sound of Freedom. Again, I know this is a big movie in the States, so I'm, I'm still just getting caught up. Oh, with the God. Eat a hot American dog and film. catch up, my friend. So I, I think it, this could be a thing that just big studio movies adopt going forward, the whole pay-it-forward ticket buying. But I do think the linking tickets to something related to the movie could be a marketing strategy is, that, that Angel Studios gets ripped off on. And here's what you can do, because they did and they, they did this in a way in comic books in the 80s with Robin – you had two phone numbers. You could call whether you wanted Robin to live or Robin to die. But for this structure, right, these superhero movies are flailing, right? Flailing, yes. You take this and you run with it. 
in the sense that this next Superman movie, all right, you do a similar thing, but it's like we need to sell X number of tickets before opening weekend or Superman dies, Mm. right? Like we kill Superman. Like we will, we shot a scene where Superman dies in this movie, and if we don't reach our goal, Superman dies. Or inversely, hey, you want Superman to die? Buy this many tickets, and we kill Superman. That's probably the better way to go about it. I, we f and kill Superman, and then they can always bring him back. But for this movie, you know, if you buy X number of tickets, Superman bites the fucking dust. Yeah. I, I'd, and I'd pay forward for that. Yeah, I, I think that I, I think that one's tough because, yeah, it's hard to tell what will the more people want to kill Superman or not kill Superman. You know, I think with this one, they just had such a clean thing of every ticket is a kid and mm-hmm. the audience is like, we like these kids, so we want a ticket per kid. The Superman lives or die is hard because the the populace is just so split on something like that. But I yeah, I, I I think that there's definitely something to making a ticket purchase represent something that mm-hmm. the audience likes. And Sound of Freedom, Freedom, figure that out. Yeah. They figure that out, and they, and they they either beat or basically tied an Indiana Jones movie on a Fourth of July big holiday in the United States. So it's it's just a, a crazy box office story and again shows how Indiana Jones 5 is just a disaster at the box office. And and these are the kind of innovations we need. We need these things to be stories to shake things up. I mean, you're looking at Barbie versus Oppenheimer coming up. I mean, yep. that's already a headline you know, and if there is a way to gamify buying tickets for those movies other than, well, I, I'm pro Barbie and I'm anti Oppenheimer or I'm pro Greta and I anti Nolan. There, if there is a way to gamify that, you know, to show like, go to the website, look, I bought that. I bought a ticket for Barbie for someone else, for a little kid. Well, yes. not for a little kid, for a 45 year old man, which is who that is aimed for. But, uh, uh, but, that's the thing is like I love the idea of gamifying this and the reason why these big studios won't do it though is because it accounts for tickets in a way they don't want. Right, right. Though I yeah, I do think Barbie and Oppenheimer may be hitting on something similar to what Angel Studios has with Sound of Freedom because they've set it up as a competition. Listen, if one of those studios had wanted to move Barbie or Oppenheimer to another date, they could have already. And I think it shows Warner Brothers and Universal like having Barbie and Oppenheimer open on the same date because it created a story, it created a competition, and they they should adopt the pay-it-forward ticket pricing. And I know mm-hmm. you also – anyone could buy a ticket for someone else. Like you could go to Fandango, you could buy a ticket. The way Angel Studios did it seems to be a lot cleaner or at least more direct but what's well, stranger it's you're not buying it for a friend you're buying it for a stranger you're buying it for a stranger yeah so that that's the thing is barbie really because there is such a barbie oppenheimer fan base versus fan base competition if barbie set it up where you could just buy a random person in the country a ticket to barbie people would do that people would they find it be- as like a cause 
They'd be like, I wish I could go see Barbie opening weekend, but I went to Ibiza right. Last, right. last month, and I'm tapped out. Right. And now they're like, oh, wait, free Barbie tickets? Yes. Right, right. And good for that, that hypothetical person traveling abroad. That's great for them, and someone should buy that hypothetical person a ticket to see Barbie. But, yeah, listen, Sound of Freedom could end up being a very innovative – you know, uh, historically memorable piece of box office. Could be the mm-hmm. type of movie that we see five years later. Oh, they're doing the Sound of Freedom strategy. And mm-hmm. and for that, we're talking about Super Mario 3. You know, like it could be that that level of innovation. So we're going to see. So, um, yeah, in, in, it's Barbie Oppenheimer and it's Indy versus uh, Sound of Freedom at the box office. Quite Quite a summer competition. So, Clayton, why don't we go ahead and look ahead at this upcoming weekend finally? What do you what do you say are the the is the big movie that we need to talk about first that's opening? Well, let's talk about Insidious. Mhm. The Red Door. Okay. Now, we were talking before we got on mic about whether either of us had ever seen an Insidious movie and I hadn't. Now, have you? You haven't. I don't think so. I think I was thinking about Sinister because Sinister is the franchise that started with Bagul, with with Ethan Hawke, with the the demon that kills you through watching old uh, family films. Right. Or, or, you know, home home movies. Home snuff home snuff films. Right, right. Snuff films, not not family films. Right. So I was thinking of Insidious. I've seen Insidious movies. Therefore, I have not seen Sinister movies. And, you know, it's it's a franchise I'm sure is pretty good. It, it started starring uh, Patrick Wilson and Rose Byrne, who are both people we like a lot. And they mm-hmm. acted in the first two movies. So Insidious in 2011, Insidious Chapter 2 in 2013. And those were both... Big hits. I mean, the high water mark of this franchise is in uh, domestically Insidious Two in 2013 mm-hmm. opened to 40 million, got to 83 million domestic. Though, I mean, you look worldwide, this franchise, even after Patrick Wilson and Roseburn weren't in three and four, worldwide, this franchise has stayed steady. You know, Chapter mm-hmm. Three made 120 million worldwide in 2015. Chapter 4, uh, Insidious, The Last Key, in 2018 made $172 million worldwide, 67 domestic, which is the second highest domestic of the franchise. So all to say, this franchise is not ebbing, I don't think, right at the moment. I think it's, it's in a fine spot to do well this weekend. Well, three was sort of a disaster when you look at it. I mean, it, down from the 40 opening of the last one, it made 22, and then it only made 52 domestic. And sure, it made 120 worldwide, which is still very good for a low-budget movie like this. But it did wane at a point, but it is not waning at the moment, I no. think is the, the thing. Because the last key – all these movies I think have had Lynn Shea, yes. but only the first two – had uh, Rose Byrne mm-hmm. and Patrick Wilson, and this is the return of all of them, including 
the child actor who was mm. in these movies, or at least the first two, grown up. So this is really sort of a huge deal for Insidious fans, and Insidious fans are out there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like you said, Lynn Shea's been in all these, and you know we've been talking about one of her films a lot the last month, which is There's Something About Mary. She is mm-hmm. the tanning lady from There's Something About Mary and the old lady landlord from Kingpin. So she mm-hmm. is just a presence that you know and love, and the Insidious fans know and love her. And yeah, this... The, the last movie in 2018 opened to 29.5 million. So, and and this one feels bigger. Obviously, it's got the name stars back, and it's got Patrick Wilson directing. Like, it, it feels like a bigger deal than those movies. So, this could. I mean, it should open at 25, and it's got a shot at opening at like 30 because the last one opened to 29. So, it's very possible. Well, here's the thing with this movie and the movie that's opening against it, Joyride, is that it's tracking, Insidious is tracking very high for females under 25, which is also who is, who is maybe going to see Joyride, right? So there Mm -hmm, is a mm -hmm. bit of weird cannibalization going on here to have these coming out at the same time. And I feel like this Insidious movie, like you said, feels like an event. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been really any horror other than Boogeyman this summer, and Boogeyman was no black phone. And this is performing pre-sale-wise akin to a black phone yeah. and a Candyman as opposed to Boogeyman, which is this is doing like three times the pre-sales of that. So there is a want for this. And so I feel like this thing could do bigger business than they're saying. I mean, obviously the studio is being conservative about it, but I do think this thing could, I I don't know if it could go 30, but it definitely could surprise. And I think it definitely, I mean, we'll get to the top fives, but I think this is beating Dial of Destiny. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be such a, 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 I mean, again, Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny, when they were scheduling this movie and they saw that the next weekend was Insidious, was the big movie coming out, I I don't think they had any thought that they were not going to be the number one movie two weekends in a row. And the fact that that is on the table and is very possible, again, just shows how little interest there is in this Indiana Jones movie, especially at Mm -hmm. that budget. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm looking forward to this. You know, I may try and get a screening in at a Le Cinema here in Paris and see in a, see this Insidious movie. Start with the fifth one. Why not? So I may do that. It's I'm very interested in Patrick Wilson's directing debut, seeing him and Rose Byrne back together, Lynn Shay, see how she's doing this far into the franchise. I think there's a lot of interesting elements about this movie. And as far as fifth movies in a franchise, Insidious seems like it has a lot more buzz in its fifth movie than Indiana Jones does for its fifth. You know, the, now, the, the stars look more like they did in the first Insidious movie than Indy does in the first Indiana Jones movie. 
Well, that's for sure. I um I wish we could have Brent from the New Flesh podcast on, yes. but it's you know <clears throat> five fifty in the morning, so. Uh, I wonder what he would say about this uh, franchise. Uh, I'm sure we will be able to hear about it on the great podcast, The New Flesh. Yeah. Must listen every week. Yeah. So a hashtag horror lifestyle, as they say. So it'll be interesting to see the take on this from him and his co-hosts. But let's talk about Joyride. Let's do it. So, so Joyride is the second comedy, second raunchy comedy of the summer after No Hard Feelings, which I think we can safely say didn't necessarily underperform because comedies don't perform at the box office, but it did not break out. Yeah. Yeah. No Hard Feelings is not going to make 70 or 80 million. I think that is out the window after its second weekend. So for Joyride... Does the performance of No Hard Feelings give it any momentum in the sense that maybe comedy is more viable than we thought? Or does it give it more momentum because there's the feeling like Joyride could be bigger than the Jennifer Lawrence movie? That there maybe is actually more anticipation for this raunchy comedy than for the J-Law one? Like, Do you think No Hard Feelings' performance has any effect on Joyride? I mean, they're the same genre, so you have to think there would be some sort of connection between the two. Like, did No Hard Feelings whet the appetite for something even more raunchy? Because I do Mm -hmm. think this movie is going to be raunchier than No Hard Feelings. Yes. So uh, the other thing is that it really is being aimed at the Asian market, Mm -hmm. which has been successful. I mean, August... What was it? Two thousand and eighteen. Mm-hmm. We had Crazy Rich Asians, which again, that was based on like a, a a large bestseller, but that was a movie that opened at twenty six. Its second weekend, it made twenty four, down only six percent, and mm-hmm. then its third weekend, it made twenty one, down only eleven percent, which is amazing. But that is to say, these sort of movies don't always open huge but if they are if there's good word of mouth and people like it they will maintain and add to the audience right because you can see with our demo breakdowns the the the, the asian crowd doesn't necessarily over index most most movies right but if there's something aimed directly at them they're going to go but they might not go first weekend. Right, they might right. not go until they hear it's really great, right? So I feel like this movie is going to open soft, but if it's good, it's going to have a minuscule drop. Yeah. Like and- this thing could open to seven, and then the next weekend it could make six or eight. Like, I mean, that's a possibility here. Right. I don't think it's going to open huge because because it's not a rush out to see. But maybe it is. Here's the other thing. Maybe it is. Maybe since 2018, things have changed, and there this is a rush-out movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is getting really good reviews, and we're not critics, huh? And critics are on everything, huh? But huh. I do think for a movie like this that doesn't have 
major stars. It has Stephanie Hsu, who was in Everything Everywhere, got an Oscar, nom, nom, nom. Definitely her profile is higher, but she is not a big mainstream star. So for a movie that doesn't have stars that is so so genre-specific, it's a comedy, it needs to have someone telling potential customers that this is good. So this getting mm-hmm. 90, you know, as of now, it's at like 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a number that will be that little nudge to get someone to buy a ticket. You know, if yeah. this movie was, you know, 60%, 50% Rotten Tomatoes and people were saying it's okay. The thing this movie needs to have is not just good reviews, but specifically good reviews that say this is really raunchy. This has stuff in it that you have not seen before. You know, I think Girls Trip, uh, which came out, what, like 2017 or so, that to me is the comp of that had good reviews, but reviews that specifically were saying that Tiffany Haddish is a great performance. There's a scene where the guy puts his wee-wee in like a coconut or something. I forget the exact specifics of that gross-out gag, but there was a dick stuck in a thing gag that had people talking. You had the well, trailer Doesn't moment. Tiffany Haddish piss on everybody? Yes, and Tiffany Haddish, yeah. I think, is caught on like a zip line and ends up like uh, peeing and pooping on a crowd, something like that. I don't think so, she poops, but she does pee. So maybe they were saving the poop. I may have read an unproduced screenplay for the second film that never got made, and I think on that she pooped from a zip line. But it had those moments that made people talk, like, you got to see this. And if Joyride's reviews talk about that, that there are scenes you got to see, then it could open big. But I think more like you said, the holds are going to be the key. You know, No Hard Feelings open to 15 Mm -hmm. and then drop 50%. It didn't have that second weekend where it opened at 15 and then the second weekend was 11 you know, and yeah. that'll be more the story of Joyride. Though, I mean, we could get into it now with our predictions. I do think this is going to overperform the opening weekend. I, I think there is legitimate interest in this film because it is being sold as so raunchy in a way that No Hard Feelings, they never committed to selling this as this is a super raunchy movie. Yeah. Yeah. The, so, but then in in that sense, when you say it's going to overperform, I mean, what does that necessarily mean? I mean, it's not going to beat Insidious. No, but it could be. I mean, right now the estimates are, you know, in the high single digits. And I think this could get closer to the No Hard Feelings opening number than it you would have thought a couple of months ago. You know, No Hard Feelings open to 15. Could Joyride do 11? You know, I, I think that's... Well, I mean, Box Office Pro says 7 to 11, so it's possible. I mean, not that yeah. they're the end-all, be-all, but no. there are people saying this could be, you know, double digits, low double digits. Well, what, what is your, before we get into giving our top fives and our specific numbers, where where is your finger in the wind on the opening weekend of Joyride? Do you feel like there's buzz there? Is there momentum there? Is the raunch factor selling i mean do you personally have any thought of seeing this in an american lay cinema i i have no interest in seeing this film but i don't think i'm the i don't think i'm the you know aim i i don't i don't think i'm the target for this movie necessarily okay. i think the target for this movie is young and women 
And that doesn't mean that men won't go see okay. it because obviously there's the gross F factor. Men went and saw a girl's trip. They went and saw bridesmaids. But I, I personally don't have any interest in seeing this film. But there is a group of people that would go see this movie. But also that's the same group of people that are going to probably see Insidious. That's the problem is that that young audience – and that young female audience love horror movies too. So they're going to be torn. I feel like Insidious will be the thing they see first and then they'll get to Joyride. Okay. Because horror, horror is always uh, a driver of the box office. You know, we can't sleep on horror. So yeah. I feel like Joyride is going to suffer because Insidious came out. But then if the movie is good and people like it, then it's going to do well going forward. That is my take. So I think this is going to underperform or perform mid-tracking because of Insidious. Okay. That's my take. I, I think that I think that the young audience is so large and that the high ends of both of these movies are relatively low that they both could well overperform even if they're drawing from a lot of the same audience. And I do think Insidious as a horror movie will draw young, but it's also got older stars. You know, Patrick Wilson and Rose Byrne are also going to draw a lot of people in their 30s and 40s because Insidious isn't, as far as I know, having never seen one, a gore horror film. You know, it's the type of horror film that I think middle-aged and oldsters we'll see because it's not going to be about, it's not terrifier. You know, Insidious is not a throw up in the middle of the theater type film. So I think you'll get an older audience and Joyride could still, you know, eat well, even if it's mainly eating from the same younger fan base. Well, here's the thing. If what what are you saying when you say overperform? Because if Joyride made fifteen, that's overperforming. If it makes eleven, that's not overperforming. Because there are there's tracking for that. There are people. There are, it's between seven and eleven, right? So if you're gonna say it's gonna overperform, you would have to say that it's making four, 13, 14, 15. That is overperforming for this movie. If this opens to eleven, that's not overperforming. That's performing at the height of its tracking. Okay. So are you saying it's going to overperform, or do you say it's going to be at the high end of its tracking? Well, let's get into it then. Let's give our top fives with our numbers and and get into it. Now, one thing we danced around it. Sound of Freedom. Are we going with a three day? In our prediction here, because I think obviously if it's a six day being counted as the weekend, that's a whole different story. I say we only give three day predictions for our top five. Here's okay. Insidious and Joyride are opening on Friday, July 7th. Our prediction should be based on the three day starting on the Friday. With that, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Um, I will go first and um i feel like you're going first because you have a big bombshell that you want to drop and you want all the glory but that's okay well i mean here's i think number one is going to be insidious and this is probably going to be for both of us we both talked about that i think insidious is going to be number one i think it gets to 29 million and i think indiana jones and the dial of destiny at at number two is going to only make $24 million. I mean, I think this drop for Indy is going to be huge. 
the young people do not care at all. They DGAF as far as indie. So I think the indie drop goes as low as like 24 million. So it's Joyride mm-hmm. 1. Uh, I'm sorry, it's um number 1 is Insidious hitting 29 million. Number 2 is uh indie then number 3 I think we've got to look at Joyride is number three. I think Joyride is number three, and I think it gets a $13 million in its opening weekend. So whether you want to call that overperforming, high end of the tracking, whatever, yeah. I just want you to know that it opens in 2,700 theaters, so it's not a huge opening. I think that's enough. I think it gets a $13 million. I I feel like there is an audience here that is not being captured by the tracking. I think it's going to overperform in certain ethnic demos, and I think young people are going to start to come around to it as the word of mouth for this movie moves from Friday into Saturday. So I think number three is going to be Joyride at $13 million. Then number four... I let's put Sound of Freedom there, and even in its Friday through Sunday, it probably makes like another eight million or so, right? So then that's number four, and then number five is gonna be Spidey across the Spider Verse is gonna be number five. So that's my top five: is Insidious, Indie, Joyride. Sound of Freedom, Spidey. Okay, so here's here's what I say. Of course, Insidious, The Red Door, number one, hashtag horror lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I do think this makes 28. I'm going to go 28. If okay. it made 30, 31, I would not be surprised. Mm-hmm. I think Indiana Jones falls through the floor. It, it's, you know, it's disgusting to me that this movie retains its PLFs when... Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible are going to have to fight for theirs. Yeah. Right? This this turd of a movie is going to get another weekend on the biggest screens possible. I think that's a travesty. Mm-hmm. And yep. I still think it tanks because, again, when we're talking about cannibalization, Sound of Freedom, you know, that's an older audience. I mean, it's a it's 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 going to be an audience that is of of course young as well. But I do think that these religious films do well with people who are in that 50, 60, 70 plus range, and that was supposed to be some people who were going to go see Indiana Jones because they grew up on it and they right. just rejected it, right? And right. they're going to reject it hard this weekend because there's nothing behind Indiana Jones. I mean, Sound of Freedom is something that. People are motivated to go see. There's no motivation to see what is already a colossal historic flop. Mm-hmm. So I think not only will Insidious beat it, but the sixth day, that from the opening to the end of that counting period, which would be Sunday, Sound of Freedom is going to make more than Indiana Jones. But it's not going to be counted as, you know, an opening weekend. But I think it makes more money in that frame of time than Indiana Mm -hmm. Jones does, okay? Okay. But with that, Indiana Jones, number two, I think it makes $23 million. Under that, third, I'm going Sound of Freedom 
Okay. I think Sound of Freedom is going to be number three with its three-day. Wow. I think this could make $9 million. And then under that, I think Joyride opens to... I think that opens to eight. Wow. So you're going low end of the tracking on Joyride. If seven to 11 is a tracking, you think Joyride because, opens to low end. Because, like I said, the reason I said that is because I think the must-see this weekend is Insidious... And the C next is Joyride, and I think Joyride is going to have a great hold. Okay. And then under that, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, I think, is going to be number five. Uh, That is my top five. All right. Well, it's going to be a fascinating weekend at the box office. And I'm listen, I'm so curious to see how the Sound of Freedom thing plays out over the weekend because for all we know that movie can make 30 million dollars this weekend you know uh it's it's at this point anything is possible with that movie and their marketing strategy i mean it with this with it beating or coming close to beating however you want to say it indiana jones on the fourth that if you're somebody who has bought a ticket or paid it forward you're now invested because you're thinking, we can do this. Right. We can take down this dinosaur, right? Right. We can take down this huge company that rules culture, and we can take them down. Like, that's what they're thinking. They're thinking, we can outgross this movie that was supposed to be a blockbuster. We can do it. It's not – I mean, it just comes down to economics, and I think that is going to be galvanizing, and I think that's going to drive ticket sales. Right. So, and you, would you say we, you're saying that's the thought process of the Sound of Freedom ticket buyer that they're. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, the grassroots. That is not my thought process, but that is the grassroots guerrilla marketing. You know, that's right. what people want to see. They want to think that they can take down the big dogs. Right. I mean, I think it's more akin to how we were with Terrifier. Like, that's what, yes. how I feel they yes. feel, right? When we photographed and you can listen to this episode it's all in the archives because yeah. our podcast is not a pot just a podcast it's a living document it's a historical document it's important mm-hmm. we photographed the vomit mm-hmm. and once we photographed the vomit we became invested and part of that story and part of that groundswell to make yes. terrifier 2 a huge success yes yes and yes. we had one of the producers on he was a great guy we became part of the terrifier 2 family and that's what will make a small movie a success if you feel part of it. And the people who are invested yes. in this feel like a part of it. Those people. I'm not saying I'm one of those people because I'm not, and I don't want to act like I am. But the people that are invested in that are the people who are going to drive this because now they think that they have something going. Yeah. As we did with that vomit photo. Yes, yes, yes. We Yeah, I mean, to to the Sound of Freedom audience, the children are what the vomit was to us and the Terrifier 2 audience. Mm -hmm. And all of that means it's all motivation to buy tickets and to be invested. So whatever it takes, you know, find your your marketing scam. That's the lesson here of this movie. We'll see. And also, they're getting the free publicity because by – Winning the day against Indiana Jones on the American Fourth of July holiday, all of these outlets now have to cover Sound of Freedom. 
you know, the BO boys are covering. Mm-hmm. We were covering it for weeks thanks to our boots on the ground reporting from uh, Anna from the Stacks. But all these outlets now have to cover it, and that is free mainstream publicity that this movie yes. is getting. You know, so yeah. it now could spread beyond just the church bus crowd, and you might just have people being like, what is this movie that whooped Indiana Jones's behind on the 4th of July American holiday? You know, so well, that- that's the other thing is that we're seeing like how many people have bought tickets ahead of time on the website. Right. Now, does that count for people who go in and buy walk-up tickets? Right? I would bet because not. Because if it's – it can't, right? Yeah. So there's there's people who are just going to be like, that sounds like a movie I want to see and know nothing about the guerrilla marketing. Right, right. Yeah, if if you're just buying a ticket at a suburban lay cinema in Idaho – you know, from the ticket taker, that's not being counted on the Angel Studios uh, website uh, website ticket counter. So it's mm-hmm. they they got a lot going on this weekend. They got a lot going on. So it's going to be interesting to uh, see the fallout on our Monday results episode. So Clayton, listen, email us. That's the big one of the big takeaways of this episode is email us the Bo Boys Podcast at gmail.com. We love getting your boots on the ground reporting like we did for this past week or so on Sound of Freedom. So email us, the B.O. Boys podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on social media. We are now on TikTok at the B.O. Boys pod. Vertical clips, courtesy of O intern Christopher. He's cutting them vertical now. They look great. They sound great. And they are now on TikTok at the B.O. Boys pod. Give us five stars. On Apple Podcasts, your reviews, your five-star reviews, help new listeners discover this very important podcast. You are doing important work. Here's here's our challenge for the weekend is send this episode to a friend. Pay it forward. Pay the B.O. Mm-hmm. Boys forward by sending the show to at least one friend. All right? Yeah. Every, every new listener represents a new listener for the B.O. Boys. So that is okay. huge. That's huge. Yeah. So so pay it forward. Send the episode. And Well, course, here's the thing, though. Yeah. Send the link to the episode so they can count as a download. Don't just send them the file. No, send the link. Send the link. Yeah, send yeah, the yeah, Apple send the link. link. Yeah, yeah, send the link. Because every, every link, link is it represents a new listener. Yes, a link is a listener. That's great. Yeah. So you're saving listeners by sending them the show. Um, and, of course, we no, it, are YouTubers. You're informing them. So you're informing them. Yes, yes. So also follow us on YouTube. We are YouTubers. So smash that like button, smash that subscribe button. And what else do you do on on YouTube, Clayton? Ring that bell, that Liberty bell. Ring that bell. Yes. Ring that American lay Liberty bell. Ring that Um, on, on YouTube. And Clayton, I think we've done it. You know, I've got We've baguettes done waiting for me. You've yeah. done you've done something. You've I've done, done something, something. Yeah, I've I've got a baguette just waiting on me, so I need to go. So I think that's it, Clayton. All right, I, I definitely think that's it. There's there's nothing more to say. No, nothing. Except for until next time, 
will smell you at the box.